In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor the things which they affirm. So what is the purpose of the commandment? 1. Love from a pure heart. 2. From a good conscience. 3. From a sincere faith. The purpose of the commandment is love. But love from a pure heart, from a good conscience and a sincere faith, this is the purpose of the commandment. These are the words of Paul, the apostle, to his spiritual son Timothy, when he urged Timothy to teach doctrine, the doctrine that he had taught him, and not give attention or heed to fables and endless genealogies, which Paul said cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, until we have known how much we are loved, we cannot love well. When the revelation of the love of God settles in a man's heart, loving becomes his very nature. So just as it's the nature of the fish to swim in the ocean and the bird to fly in the sky, so it is that the Christian believer who has grasped the realities of the love of God in Christ Jesus expresses love in this world. It is his nature to do so. So when we have understood how much Christ has loved us, in our born-again status, we receive that nature of Christ to love. And it's not, it's not only to love the people that we know, it's just in our nature. Birds fly everywhere. You put a fish in any water, it swims. So you put the Christian believer anywhere, whether it's in their workplace, whether it's in their homes, in their marriages, in a foreign country, wherever you put the Christian believer, the very nature of Christ, which is love, must be expressed, must be visible, must be known to all who see the Christian. So that if, if he's a husband, he has known and understood the revelation of the love of Christ for his bride, the church. And in such manner, he strives to love his wife. And if she's a wife, she reckons to herself the humility of Christ and his submission to the will of the Father. And in this, she loves her husband. The Bible says, Christ was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb to its sharers, and yet he opened not his mouth. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved his church. If it's a leader, servitude and selflessness within the love of Christ for us become paramount to him. In other words, he, he doesn't, the leader doesn't seek his own. He doesn't seek to be satisfied as an individual. He becomes selfless. Now, this is the mind of Christ. So if we see the mind of Christ in Christian leaders, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, let this mind, which was in Christ Jesus, also be in you. Consider others better than yourself. Put others first. Let, let nothing be done out of selfishness. So you put others first. Service to the congregation, to the flock of Christ. Just as the master washed the feet of the disciples, when we understand the love of Christ in our role as leaders in the church, in the community, in, in, in our jobs, we exude that kind of love. So it doesn't really matter what kind of role you're playing. The revelation of the love of Christ for you as a Christian, having been born again, forms your character. The love of Christ is supreme. It conquers everything. Maybe you're 
down and condemned because you did something wrong or sinful. But God does not condemn you. It is the devil who is the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. So our minds must be delivered from the ideas that come into our head that make us think that God only loves us when we do certain things. It doesn't matter the good you did yesterday. Before you did that good, God loved you. Even so, God does not condemn us because we did wrong or we did something sinful. That is the work of the enemy. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He's the one who comes to misrepresent God to us, making you think that the Lord doesn't really love you nor have, nor have any interest in what you're becoming. When in fact, he has purchased you with his blood, his precious blood. You see, the, the devil wants to move you as far from God as possible. And the most effective way to do this is by distorting the truth that the Lord loves you. If he can get you to believe for some strange reason that you are disqualified from the love of Christ, then he, puts, he can put you far from God for as long as he wants. And there is nothing that can heal a man's heart, nothing that can turn a man's heart Make a man live a joyful life, live an overcoming life, set a man free from the bondage of sin than the love of Christ, than the message that God loves you. He doesn't condemn you. So if you're down or condemned because you did something wrong or sinful, so in you, whether consciously or unconsciously, you're moving far and far and far away from God. I want you to turn around. I want you to proclaim the truth of God. You are the beloved of Christ. Romans chapter 8 is one of my favorite chapters. When Paul was explaining these things, when he said from verse 31 that, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Oh, and he says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? He says Christ makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The Bible says as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved, God loves you dearly. You are accepted in the beloved. The Bible says in, in Ephesians chapter 1, that we are accepted in the beloved. Who is the beloved? Christ is the beloved. And you are accepted in him. And you know, the good news here is that those who are accepted in Christ are also acceptable as Christ. So those who are accepted in the beloved are acceptable as Christ. So God looks at you through the eyes of Christ, through the work of Christ on the cross. The Bible says Christ has been made our propitiation. In Psalm 103 verse 11, the Bible says, For as far or as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. 
And David, in one of the nighttime, one of his nighttime meditations, wrote in Psalm 8 that, Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. And he says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? You see, the love of God is beautifully embroidered in the fabric of nature. The Bible says, even his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Beloved, when you consider creation, may you discern. God's unconditional love and unfailing love for you, and may your desire for fellowship with Him through Christ Jesus be stirred up in you.